Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Sarah McDonnell, and I'm delighted to be sitting here today with the amazing Yumi Steins and the amazing Dr. Melissa Kang, who are here to talk about their brand new book, Welcome to Your Period. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hi, Sarah. Um, now, this book is gorgeous and fun, and just so I'm so excited to be selling this book. Can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to create it? Melissa and I met each other through a different podcast, Ladies We Need to Talk, um, which I work on for the ABC. And I was so thrilled to meet the original longest serving Dolly Doctor. And through that, um, a couple of things happened. Everyone I talked to was like, you met Dolly Doctor. <laughs> and I've sort of forgot because, you know, a lot of us haven't read Dolly magazine for years and it's actually not in print anymore. Um, and I forgot but was reminded of how dearly loved Dolly Doctor was. So that was one thing. And the other thing was Hardy Grant, my publisher of my cookbooks, um, were like, you know, you know, you met Dolly Doctor, didn't you? Can, do you guys <laughs> reckon you could do something together? And so we got talking and, and this is where we ended up. Look, for me, it was so serendipitous and amazing because I really enjoyed doing the couple of podcast interviews with Yumi. I think we got on really well. We had a real kind of vibe together talking about my favourite things, which I won't repeat now. But um, <laughs> when Yumi suggested a book on periods, I thought it's kind of like a dream come true because I wrote for Dolly Magazine for 23 years. So I'm talking thousands and thousands of questions many of which were about periods. And I always wished there was a way to bring a lot of that material together. Uh, when you write an answer for Dolly Magazine, you know, you're very word limited. There's no <laughs> opportunity for illustration. So it was just brilliant. And, and doing this with Yumi was a really fabulous combination because, you know, Yumi's so funny and smart and engaging and has, has a real audience out there already, um, whereas I was always anonymous as Dolly Doctor. <laughs> so it's just been a really nice way to come together and produce something which I think really we all wish we had <laughs> when we were when we were getting our first periods. I do like that um, in the front cover of the book you both have a little intro to who you are and it's Dr Melissa Kang, formerly Dolly Doctor, and Yumi Steins, all-round excellent woman. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think gives you a taste of the humour that sort of runs throughout the entire book. Um, was there any, like, let's talk a little bit about what's in the book mm. and kind of how this book is, because I think it's really different from pretty much um, most things on the subject that you can find. Was there a particular, because um, there's a whole section on period pants, which is a relatively kind of new thing. Um, was there any section that you found very challenging or hard to research or did you just have it all covered after 23 years as Dolly Doctor? <laughs> I focused, I suppose, on the biology, the, the medical side of things. And I think the challenge for me was working out how to write that in a way that was, you know, that, that paid respect to adolescence, intelligence and, and quest and thirst for knowledge, at the same time not being too technical and kind of simplifying um, what's a really complex biological process, mm. just, just the whole menstrual cycle. So I guess that was the challenge. And to it also took me back, of course, to my own adolescence and... <laughs> 
what I didn't know, what I was never taught, <laughs> mm. what I was never told. So that was kind of funny, revisiting that. So yeah. I really, it was quite nostalgic as well. Yeah, it was really fun because um, Melissa and I both have three daughters each. So we've been through these conversations a bit in, in real life. And I think part of um, being in our lines of work is demystifying stuff like that. So mm. part of the challenge of writing the book was to, yeah, to, to roll back to when we were quite naive and, and ill informed and try and speak to that person and really remember what it's like to be freaked out about <laughs> your period. And I interviewed a lot of different people um, to talk first-hand accounts of getting their periods. And um, a lot of the, the people that I spoke to were friends of mine or friends of friends, so in my age group, sort of 30s and 40s and 50s. But I also spoke to some of my daughter's friends and they're the ones that had that sort of really visceral reaction. Like they, one of them I spoke to and I remember it so clearly, she said, oh, just talking about this, my heart's starting to race, oh. you know? And I just remember that panic feeling and also that feeling like, um, and this is so common, but so strange. How am I going to tell mum? And this guilt feeling or this panic feeling, like I don't know how to say those words to mum. I think I've got my period. Like it just, it's so easy to forget how hard that was. Mm. So the big challenge for me was to, um, to really humble myself back to that position of knowing very little and try and speak in, a, in the most pure and loving and supportive way to that person. It's I mean, it's, it is so interesting trying to go back to that time as an adult because you do – it is really scary. I lived in, I think, daily fear that today would be the day that I'd be caught unawares and you'd, the first period would come. Um, do you think – and it's obviously, you know, the, the, those feelings haven't changed for young girls today. Do you think books like this and do you think that there's maybe a shift so that there's less – taboo around the subject or is it always just going to be kind of a rough time like <laughs> there's definitely <laughs> lo a lot less taboo I can tell you that confidently yeah. um that's within my own experience of of young girls in the inner city of Australia I think it might mm. be different depending on where you live and if you live in an in a um like an ethnic group within there there might be more taboos that are more active still but I do see young kids they're pretty confident talking about it but you're right the fear doesn't go away mm. and that's one of the things I love about the book is almost like we're manifesting the fear so okay a lot of the big fears around your period is that you'll leak through your your pad through your underpants and onto your clothes and everyone will see a splotch of blood on the back of your pants and it's actually a drawing we've done inside the book so you can see okay this might happen what will it look like oh there's a picture it's actually not that bad. Like, we're, <laughs> it, it's not great, but we will survive it, you know. And I think to just to just manifest it there, it's there on the page. You can see what it might look like. Oh, it's it's actually not going to be so bad, you know. Yeah, just con just confronting the the absolute worst. Sometimes you realise it's not really as bad as you think. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different stories. You've went to a lot of trouble to make it as inclusive as possible. Um, can you tell people a little bit about whose stories you sought out um, as contributors? I relied on material, like original material that came into Dolly Doctor. So I actually searched through the thousands of questions that I've answered, or not not that I've answered, that have come to the magazine, because I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to given access uh, over time to, to many, many of those questions. So I use that as the basis of, I guess, forming themes in my mind of the things that young adolescents really wanted to know about what to expect with their periods and what was wrong with their periods. So that was 
where I was coming from. And I was coming from um, wanting to give first-person voice to people's experiences because everyone's so different. And that was one of the beauties of doing these interviews was was ringing people up and going, all right, tell me about your first first time you got your period. And everyone went straight back into that time. You know, you could <laughs> see them kind of almost time travel and because it, it's such a it's such a memorable experience and it's so personal and for for a lot of them they haven't um like it's like digging it's like archaeology so i wanted to talk to people um whose experiences that i might not necessarily have witnessed myself firsthand um i had my own experience as the, the daughter of a japanese woman in rural australia you know and she was very uptight and, you know <laughs> did not give me much information um so i had to sort of dig around for myself dolly doctor was a source of information mm. for me so what so what a beautiful kind of you know full circle that was um, but i also wanted to talk to different ethnic groups um you know like indigenous australians africans Nepalese, Indians, uh, Iranians, Italians, all different kinds of people. Um, and then people who uh, got their first period in their wheelchair. Autistic girls who have a different um, sensory experience of pads and tampons that, that we, are, you know, stuff like that we might not think about. Mm. Trans men who still menstruate, what's that like? What does that feel like? Um, so all those experiences are really, really relevant and I think it's it's tempting to think that it's only able-bodied women who menstruate but it's not. It's a whole bunch of other people as well. So yeah. I, it was really beautiful to open that up and, and, and bust it busted open to see what that experience is like and the 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 gloriousness of capturing these stories was everyone was really excited to talk about <laughs> it too it was like yeah I'm gonna tell you about this one one girl was like why well, I got my first period the day before school camp and I thought it'd be a great idea to just go in retrospect I probably would have <laughs> stayed home but I was like no nah, I'm gonna nail this I was in grade five I didn't know what I was doing she said she put a, a pad in to her swimmers and went swimming <gasps> and <No. laughs> yeah. She didn't know that the pad would get waterlogged and it would be like this huge <laughs> sausage between her legs. It's just like, I just had no idea, but what a glorious story, you know, oh. that you can reminisce over all these years later. Oh, I think some of that excitement um, that you're describing speaking to people has really been captured here in this book because flipping through it, it's so warm. It's so, it's like the feeling that most of us will remember from Dolly Doctor that you're speaking to someone who understands and is a friend, but it's also packed full of humour and amazing illustrations. Can we talk a little bit about the illustrations? Because mm. I think they're, they're, they just pop. They're so great. Did it take long to find um, an illustrator that would work for this? Not really, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, we, um, we looked at a few potential illustrators yeah. together yeah. with the publisher and yeah. it was a bit of a no-brainer Jennifer yeah. Latham um she's based in the UK young yeah. really really pro-women pro-girls and um and just seemed to really speak to this particular topic so you know it's Melissa and I are writing from our perspectives but we're really trying to communicate to girls who are sort of pre-menstruation so maybe eight or nine year old girls so we have to think about what they want to see and what kind of illustrations would appeal to them so it's not going to be um you know gothic (laughs) 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 you know uh, so yeah so we wanted it to be accessible and also you know the thing about girls that age going on to sort of 11 and 12 year olds is they're often um tomboys 
Mm. Um, or they're not curvy. They're not sort of in that womanly phase. They're just like kids. They're just little kids. So that depiction of a sensual woman is not really representing them. So we wanted to kind of have someone who can speak um, speak to those people who are just like kids. And do you each, I'll ask you each this question, do you have a, a favourite section? Is that like asking what your favourite child is? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I don't think there's a favourite section, but I really like the um, the section about the, I think the things that used to terrify me. So what if I leak? Um, what do I do if I'm going on a sleepover? Or you know, in, we've we've got a section about if you if you if your parents are not together or you, you stay at your dad's, uh-huh. um, what what do you do then? Going on school camp. So I think those are the bits that I really enjoyed. Um, contributing to mm. yeah I was lying in bed last night going god I loved writing that book and remembering my favorite part so one of one of the um surprising things for me that no one ever told me and this is this is my opportunity to fix all this stuff that no one ever told me <laughs> was for instance that your first period it's often not blood like it, it doesn't look red like blood it can look brown and murky mm. and so I got to say these words and I'll misquote myself but it was something like you know I wanted my first period to look like a murder scene, but it looked like Shrek's swamp. <laughs> and I was like mega disappointed about that. So, I, I, you know, I love being able to kind of um, be frank about stuff that I think – because in all our research, Melissa's and mine, we looked at other books that have written and they really skirt around lots of things, you know, mm. that it's like you can't be frank about this stuff. Well, why not? Why can't I say my first period didn't look gorgeously bloody? It looked murky and muddy. <laughs> You know, why can't I be honest about that? So, yeah, so having that opportunity to say stuff like that was really um, really quite joyful to put it down on paper and reread it and go, no, this is going to be okay. No one's going to expire from hearing some frank talk about periods. Yeah, and most people are going to relate yeah. um, personally to what you're talking about because, you know. Yeah, just, just thinking about that and the other disappointments, you know, is – and this was a very common Dolly Doctor question was, you know, I had my first period, you know, three months ago and nothing's happened since. Or, or questions like, well, I've now had my first period, what happens next? And the answer, I think, was something like not very much usually because <laughs> that's actually the truth. Most, um, you know, most menstrual cycles take one to two years to be, to establish their own pattern. So that's mm. a – and that was such a common worry. Um, that was the reason why – a lot of questions about periods came to, to Dolly Doctor was because of that. So it was just, you know, hopefully just, um, yeah, talking about what actually happens. And on, on the one hand, it's a really exciting thing to be celebrated. On the other hand, it's just part of life and it's not that big a deal. So trying to find that balance, mm. yeah. I think, was also the joy of writing this book. You know, have we got the right balance? Have we got the right pitch? One of the um, the real treats about Dolly Doctor as a resource was, you know, that sort of saying there is no dumb question. Mm. It was it was just an opportunity to have all those questions that keep coming up over and over again. That you know, a, a more sort of sciencey book might ignore mm. and go, look, that's not gonna, it's not a thing, okay. <laughs> so a, a real classic one is, and I remember reading it when I was a Dolly Doctor consumer, like a reader, a teenage girl, 
was I had my period, it was regular for six months and now it stopped. Am I pregnant? And it's a genuine fear. And even though scientifically you're, you've never had sexual intercourse, <laughs> you can't possibly be pregnant. It's still this thing and you might like, please, Dolly Doctor, just reassure me that I'm not pregnant because I can't be pregnant. I'm in year nine, you know. And then Something s- could have happened in the spa though. <laughs> like you don't know. Don't <laughs> spread those crazy myths. Yeah, but so, so this was another opportunity to go, that's not a dumb question and he's, hmm. he's the reasons why you couldn't possibly be pregnant yeah sometimes you just need that reassurance and when you don't feel comfortable talking to your parents about it a a resource like this just like Dolly Doctor is so important and that that um, reaction Yumi that you uh, explained at the beginning of the podcast about saying that you'd met Dolly Doctor (laughs) and everyone's like really (laughs) I I feel the same way it's like a huge deal Um, and to have to have been that person for so many people for decades like what did you did you always want to do something like this or did it uh, oh many many times I mean I I I always wished that answers could be illustrated at the very least you know and um so I think I mean I can't draw to save my life so but I often (laughs) wished I would wake up one day and have this drawing talent and I could draw my answers instead of write them so putting together but, but, you know, you can do compilations of Q&A and it's not the same. So I think the magic of this book is that it is based on some real Dolly Doctor questions, a lot mm. of the stuff I answered, and the themes are very much based on those things as well as the first-person accounts. But somehow it came together in a very different way. It, it, I think it's really funny and light-hearted but it serious really when it needs yeah. to be, yeah. Yeah. And so what's your biggest hope, both of you, for Welcome to Your Period? I, I really have always believed that for women and for young, for girls and young women, that the start of equality, I mean, I'm, I'm a medical person, so I guess I have a bias, but for <laughs> me the start of equality is knowing loving and accepting our bodies and for other people to do the same and to, mm. to feel ownership and confidence in particularly those puberty years when there's so much change happening and so much self-consciousness and that's when you start to see some of those real you know inequalities beginning and it's yeah. based around I think um, you know female sexuality and, and women's bodies so I have a, I have a real hope that it's just part a very small part of a bigger puzzle in the universe that will kind of, you know, lead to people being able to um, talk about periods, talk about bodies, um, talk about, well, you know, girl sexuality, female sexuality. I hope boys read this book. I hope um, dads read this book and can have conversations. Because we get so focused on that it's a book for girls, but surely, um, you know, boys shouldn't be left in the dark about what's going on with the other half of the population. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I and I think also, you know, we, we certainly increasingly acknowledge and are aware of um, people who who don't identify as either male course, or female yeah. um, or who may be transgender. So it, it's really about opening up some of those taboos and those myths and demystifying a lot of that. I mean, there's not a huge focus on that, but it, it's – I think it's a very – we're very open-minded in the book yeah. about um, the fact that there's a lot of diversity – Including, yeah. including, you know, um, existing ongoing taboos and stigma and kind of having a bit of a chat about that and hoping that that will create conversations as well, perhaps between parents and their children, but also between young people themselves. 
That's Further beautiful. to that, you know, boys and dads reading the book, there's definitely chapters for the for boys and for dads, but it does remind me of how Dolly Doctor was always read by boys. They loved mm. it. It was like it was like eavesdropping on a conversation, <laughs> on a really juicy conversation that girls were having, and boys loved that insight. So I think that the the book definitely should be super in, informative and interesting mm. to boys as well. But to answer your very big question about what we're hoping to achieve with the book, I agree with, you know, with Dr. Melissa that owning your body and having less shame around it is really important for equality. It's using words like vulva to describe your vulva yeah. instead of vagina, which it's not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> things like that sort of um, just taking taking back power about that. Um, there's a lot of people pushing shame on girls, like, uh, ew, or yeah, or you can't have hair there, or, you know, all, yeah. in all kinds of ways we're controlled and shamed by our bodies and our bodies are just kind of regular things, you know. So it's really trying to normalise things that have been used to shame and squash us down in the past so I think that that is huge and that that feeds on to things like consent and um and empowerment that hopefully these young girls who are, are taking this on at age eight nine ten will be more empowered age 14 15 16 so there's that yeah. but I also think like I mean just as a smaller ambition for the book that it's a complete resource you don't have to go oh so I kind of figured it out now I have to go and do a deep dive into the internet to figure out what's going on with my particular situation I just hope it's all covered there within the book yeah and I've met over the years because I'm an academic as well um education academics but also you know school teachers people who teach health to to secondary school kids and they often have told me in the past at least that they would sometimes use Dolly Doctor as a resource so I think this is a great resource as well for what you teach in the classroom um, yeah. so you know I think that's another kind of um, ambition as well for the book we hope that it's you know it it's a useful resource for people who are talking to adolescents about their bodies. I love that idea that because I feel like that has two sides if the book is you know a covers enough bases that a young girl will read it and find her exact peculiar little thing that she's worried about that you can't find in most textbooks. She'll get that, but in reading it, he or she, I guess, will also understand a lot more about what other people are going through that may not directly um, involve them, but, you know, just knowing that we all have our own experience of this mm. um, part of life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it might be a bit presumptuous of me, but I sort of feel like this could be the beginning of perhaps more books that cover more <laughs> topics. <laughs> what would, would would the future hold? Maybe some more collaborations? Definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. Ah, that's good to hear. Love to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, Melissa and I were uh, speed dialing each other basically, and yeah, there's there's work in progress. Oh, I'm really pleased to hear that and really I'm really excited for this book to go out and for future books as well. <laughs> and um, thank you so much, both of you, for coming in to speak to us today. It's been amazing. And podcast listeners, you can get Welcome to Your Period now at Booktopia, www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, Check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.